only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hey guys, Micah Chen here from Cascadia Preps. Looking for the best coverage of high school football? Cascadia Preps is your number one stop for all things high school football, team rankings, game analysis, and weekly podcasts from around the state. Visit us today at CascadiaPreps.com. Five, four, three, two, one. Greetings and welcome into Huffman and Spencer for Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. I'm your host, Ryland Spencer of Cascadia Preps. Along with me, as always, Brandon Huffman of the Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation and 24-7 Sports. Brandon, we're in that week between Christmas and New Year's. How was Christmas for you and the family? It was wonderful, Ryland. We had gone to California for the first time since I moved up here wow. in 2004. Uh, just got back on Tuesday night, spent on Christmas Day in 84-degree weather like Christmas was intended to be done. As Brandon Huffman, the child, used to wake up on Christmas Day in T-shirt and shorts to go play with his new toys. You, you ever notice that when people are watching the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day, it's always sunshiny? That's how it is in December and in January in the Southland, Ryland. And I let my kids experience for the very first time a Southern California Christmas. I'm surprised you got out there. I mean, between all the flight delays and I don't know how the heck you got home. I so mean, here, here's the craziest thing. I have been a, I'm Alaska gold 75 K. I am a devout ardent worshiper of Alaska airlines. However, my brother wanted to surprise my mom for Christmas. So he's like, I'm going to book your guys' flights down here. I got some vouchers. I'm going to fly you down on Delta. And I was like, uh, I'm not coming on Delta. I'll fly in Alaska. He's like, I'll put you and Amanda in first class on the way down and back. And I said, tell me what time our flight leaves. <laughs> now, it turned out that as we were getting ready to leave on Friday, we start getting these alerts that Alaska's canceling their flights. As we're sitting at the airport, they make an announcement over the loudspeaker that all Alaska flights the rest of the day were canceled. So the one time I don't fly Alaska, it allows us to go. What are the chances? Wow. Yeah, that is wild. I mean... I, I woke up Friday and I had some stuff to do and I couldn't even get out of my driveway. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I, well, and the, and the thing is, is the, the roads were actually okay around, uh, Kirkland, but the problem was I couldn't get my car to the road because there's a little bit of a hill leading up to the, to the main road. And from basically about 30 yards before that, all the way up to there was nothing but ice. I did mean, your house? Did your car look like a Buffalo Bills car? I oh my lord! Did you see the one guy drive off with like six feet of snow on top of the, his car? Like the freezer on the back of his car. <laughs> First off, I don't know how it didn't just fall off as soon as he started to drive, but like, right? good lord, man, that was hilarious. Yeah, I'm really hoping. Like, I, I just assume that that guy stopped and they they knocked it all off, but because uh, that would have been pretty dangerous to uh, to be driving with, but. It, it, so I went out to, cause I didn't know if I could get to the, to the street or not. So I was like, well, I want to, I want to get the ice off the car anyway. So I went out and I brought a little bit of hot water with me, not to do the windows. Cause that's stupid. I don't know why people do that, <laughs> but I did it because I needed to unfreeze the lock. Yes. The lock on my car was completely frozen. And so what I did is I just put some hot water and then I just held it up against it and it, and it made it nice and warm and boom, I opened it. I turned the I turned the heat on and I turned the little back you know whatever it's called the little heating element on the back window on and then I slammed the the driver's door shut and the whole thing came flying off all of the ice came flying off the whole the whole driver's door so I was like hmm let's try the other went doors sure enough they all came flying off so all I really had to do was wait for the the window to get to the point that I could scrape it and then the back window to the same thing 
The crazy thing is, and I've never seen this before, the ice was so thick that at one point I stood there waiting and I was like, wait a minute, I think I could actually scrape it off now because I could see water running underneath the ice. Yes. I've never seen that before in my life. I'm 39 years old. I'm not even that old, but well, I guess I feel like it sometimes, but I've never seen that before in this area. Never in my life have I seen ice. I mean, it was a solid half inch thick. I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. I've I've never seen anything like it. And I just, you know, I feel bad for the people that thought it was a good idea to go out and try to drive in Seattle. Like, oh, is there anything? Can we just take a second to just say that there is nothing better than when it snows than to see the videos of people on Queen Anne Hill trying to drive, <laughs> and then the absolute ish show it turns into when they try to drive. The the one that I quote tweeted, and I was like, uh, Big Mario's is right there. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. So that was the one. I think that was the one that made me think, like, it was because you said how you parked right by there. Yes. And I think that was the one that made me think, like, is there a better time on our tradition than watching people try to drive down <laughs> Queen Anne when it's snowing or icy? The thing that blows my mind, like, that hill, I have driven down that hill before in in the middle of, you know, September. And, I, and thinking to myself, wow, if there was any type of cold, I would be nowhere near this road. For sure. And there's ice all over the place, and these people are deciding to drive down it. Now, the part that really blows my mind, the girl that kept recording film, lady, go stop somebody. Like, right. go stand at the top and just be like, hey, not a good idea. You guys need to go somewhere else. Like, why can't... Why, why, why do we do that? Like, it's so crazy to me. The first thing that would go through my head would not be to record it. It exactly. would literally be, hey, I'm going to go stand there at the top for, you know, or or go make a sandwich board sign or something and put it up at the top telling people not to go. And, and you know what? Part of that's on the city, too, because, like, why is the city not doing something like that? Exactly. Like, I don't know. It's it's so crazy to me. It's It's wild, too, because for a couple of days there leading up, the ice part of it, the roads in Kirkland were not all that bad. But the couple days before that, the roads were really bad in Kirkland. And I was complaining because I'm like, why is there no sand anywhere? Like, what? why are they not there? Like, they weren't out there doing anything. And it, and it blew my mind because all of the other city cities around us, they all had sand down. Like, the roads were good. But Kirkland was kind of a gong show. But the thing that's funny now, all of those cities have sand everywhere. In Kirkland, there's like nothing. The roads are clear. There's nothing to clean up now. <laughs> and it, what's crazy, too, is it's like, the absolute ineptitude in which you see people just try to drive, but then like you get such a lack of response from the state or from the DOT. Yeah. And that that's why I was kind of fascinated the other day. I, I don't ever fly Southwest Airlines because I can't stand it. Oh my God. Um, but you know, it's not good when the DOT is tweeting like uh, we're going to be investigating Southwest. Like, Oh, okay. You guys are finally deciding to get involved. What about all the state levels where the DOT is like nowhere to be seen? You know, one thing I thought was interesting about Southwest, I saw a guy talking about what the big issue is for them, and I didn't realize that they don't really have hubs, and that like they don't fly like to and from hubs in a way. They'll yeah. do like a, they'll do like a circle. It'll be like four four locations in one day and it's like, you know, A to B to C to D to back to A. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, if flight A to B gets canceled, everything else is screwed. Yep. Because that plane is never going to get to, you know, location C to come back. You know, like, so I didn't, I didn't really think about it like that. Whereas like most people you're waiting for a flight basically to turn around and go like right back to where you were. And I was like, wow, like that is really, really strange that they would do it that way. And and it said that the 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 thing I was reading said that they're like one of the only airlines that does that anymore. And it's, it's because it's profitable for them, but it's not for everybody else. And I'm like, well, <laughs> then obviously it's not profitable for them. It can't be. Like if it's profitable for them, how could it not be profitable for everybody else? Exactly. Well, then I was reading something like they hedged their bets against a lot of fuel back in the day, and that's why they were so profitable. And, yeah. you know, the bags fly free. Well, uh, newsflash for you, uh, Southwest Airlines, but the way your last couple of days have gone, it ain't just going to be bags that are flying for free in 2023. Yeah, they're going to have some serious issues going forward because – I and I've only flown them probably once or twice – 
and I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. I mean, there's I I I'm with you. I I really like Alaska. Um, you remember when Alaska bought or merged or whatever with Virgin uh, Airlines or whatever? I was always an Alaska guy. I've had an Alaska, you know, card forever. Then I fell in love with Virgin America because the two places that I flew the most are San Francisco and Los Angeles. And back in the day when we were owned by Fox, I was flying down to LA once a month, twice a month, and I was flying Virgin. So I was like their highest level uh, thing. So when Virgin and Alaska merged, it was like, okay, I can get back to Alaska. And then Alaska started doing all this flying nonstop to all these major cities, which was great. But Virgin America was like the first uber nice experience in the air that you could really have. Yeah, and I, I, so I didn't ever really fly them. And then when Alaska bought them, there was like a, a, I don't know, three or four month period where, you know, it was transitioning. Yeah, exactly. And I ended up on a couple of Virgin flights. Holy crap. I mean, oh my goodness. That was awesome. Like fun fact, the night of the 2009 Heisman trophy voting, I was flying back after going to the state championship or the Southern, the Los Angeles championships. I watched Anthony Thomas, but I watched Mark Ingram, Rob, Toby Gerhardt of the Heisman trophy. While I was somewhere over the Pacific ocean, as we pulled out on Virgin America, but even better, the very first, but the greatest 30 for 30 in the history of the world, the U, I watched that on a Virgin America flight back from Los Angeles. The, um, what, wasn't Ingram the year that uh, he actually robbed it from Indama Kung Su? I think we're saying the same thing. <laughs> and, and you're right. Indama Kung Su definitely was the best player in college football. Yes. Now, if they would have given it to Gerhardt, I would have been perfectly fine. Mark Ingram, I did not think he should have gotten it at all. No, like, best player on the best team. I get it. Yeah. But if you watch the Texas Nebraska championship game in the Big Twelve, and then you watch the Rose Bowl between Te- or the BCS national championship between Alabama and Texas, I guarantee you that Nebraska or, or Double Kingston did more damage to Texas than Mark Ingram did. And it's not even close. Yeah. It's what did he have? Like eight sacks that game, or at least it felt like that many. I don't know how many sacks he had, but he was in the back. He they, at one point there was a couple of plays where they triple teamed him, and he still got through. Hmm. It was insane. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, he, yeah, he was. The, the key is is that's supposed to be like the best player in college football, and it was no doubt it was in Kung Su. Now I will never defend what happened, what he started doing once he left Nebraska. Once he got to the NFL, he became one of the dirtiest players that the league has seen in a long, long time. Oh, yeah. But that guy was one of the most dominant college football players ever. You want to know what's crazy? So his senior year was the year I moved up here from Washington or from California. High school. And I went – yeah, senior year of high school, sorry. And I went to a Grant High School game. Uh I can't remember if they were playing you know, Jefferson or if they were playing – um, Roosevelt or who they were playing, but it was, you know, Grant High School didn't have lights. And I went to that game, and I think Ndamukong Sue had one tackle for loss and no sacks in the game because it was almost boredom for him. And you see that a lot with high school defensive linemen. Like, it's hard to play hard every single play. But as dominant as he was in college and in the NFL, like he was pretty underwhelming as a high schooler and he was, you know, outside the, the five-star range. He was an army all American. And I saw him at the army bowl that year. And you're like, yeah, he's really, really good. That was the year of the infamous Deshaun Jackson um, oh, yeah. you know, flip before the end zone. Yeah. But like, if you had told me watching cause I went and saw Jonathan Stewart that same fall after I moved up here. And if you had said between those two, who was going to be the better player in college in the NFL, Based on what I saw on that high school game, I would have said Jonathan Stewart, who was, don't get me wrong, Jonathan Stewart was really good in college and saw it in the NFL. But so was a man among boys, yet didn't play like it at Grant, the game I went to. And that's always one of those crazy things. Like people say this all the time. Well, I went, and I hear this from high school coaches all the time. Well, he didn't do crap against us. Okay, but he still projects to be an elite prospect at the next level. Yeah. So, cool. He didn't do anything against you. That means you're a good coach. Also, you guys still lost by 17 points as you trashed the guy. But 
there's a lot of these guys that are still really, really good when they get to college because they just have the physical ability to be dominant. And that's when Dom King so was. Because if you would have just looked at him before the game even started and said, okay, which guy, which one of these guys is going to be a dude? I mean, I already knew who he was, but he looked like a dude right up until the game started. And then he just looked bored. Yeah, and that's it's it's weird sometimes when you go watch a guy, maybe it's for the first time, maybe it's you know, you've seen him and, and you're kinda like waiting for him to break out or something, and you watch a game and you're just like, Man, I was really thinking that was gonna be the time. Yes. You know, and then it just doesn't happen. But then you're going, I still believe in him. I still think he's going to be good, but it's really hard to justify, you know? And then sometimes it, it sometimes you watch him in college and you go, Yeah, that's the guy I knew was there. Sometimes you watch it and you're like, yeah, well, it just, it never really did come out, but I know it's there. Like, Mm -hmm. I know, I know it's there. It just never really could come out of him, you know? And yeah, I mean, that's the, uh, the inexact science of, um, Hey, you know what? You don't have to do stars in anything anymore. So what do you care? Right? Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, you know, (laughs) you, you have that all the time. Well, you know, he should have been, or I get this. I mean, like, Sometimes guys just have off games. I mean, even Tom Brady has had bad games, and he's probably the best player that we've seen in you know at the quarterback position over the last twenty years. Sometimes guys give up a sack. NFL players give up sack. NFL players throw interceptions. NFL DBs get beat. Like it happens. It doesn't mean because it happens they suck. Even though in this social media internet day that we are where kids will get an interception and they're like, oh, well, I balled out there. I mean, I saw it yesterday. There was a kid in Oregon who tweeted at, about an interception he had in a game and tagged the guy who threw the interception. And, you know, the guy who threw the interceptions going to the Big Ten. And his team ended up scoring 42 straight points. And his teammate said, you know, I still – the kid tweeted, I'm still thinking about that interception. Thanks at Sam Levitt. And his teammate said, I'm still thinking about the 42 unanswered points. Like, yeah. bro, you got beat by 42 points and you're tweeting about the interception. Like, that's not the look. It's not the flex and the burn you think it is. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, you look like an idiot. You look like a guy that's not a team player. And how many times have you and I said, stop tagging guys in a highlight just for the flex and the clout? Last I checked, none of the schools took the scholarship offers away from Sam Levitt and gave it to somebody else because he threw an interception. So don't be dumb, people. Well, at least he did it from his own account, though, right? That is very true. Very true. <laughs> Not always the case. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, yeah, mom and dad, be sure to log off your son's Twitter account. There, there's nothing funnier than when you congratulate yourself from yourself. <laughs> I, uh, I, I absolutely love it. Like, it, whenever it, it pops. Oh, and by the way, yeah, one, we see it. Oh yes, we see it. But two, uh, yeah, we we take screenshots. Yes, like, we do. We, so go ahead and delete it. But we trust me, we take screenshots uh, because we collect receipts. Yes, and I got I got a lot of them on my phone, and I mean a lot of them. Um, <laughs> well, we're almost eighteen minutes in, and uh, we have yet to even really accomplish anything in this podcast, but. Uh, Brandon, the Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation, AveryStrongDIPG.org, and AveryStrongDIPG on all social medias. Uh, I got my gear last Friday. I saw Micah Banuelos from Kennedy Catholic. He tweeted out a picture of himself wearing it. Um, I don't know. I I wasn't unaware that you guys were having Seattle Tent and Awning uh, make some sweatshirts because mine looks great. Um, <laughs> and it is nice and warm. I love it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've worn it like three times already. I mean, one time was just running out of the house to go to the store really quickly, but um, I love it. Um, I saw something about potentially having some uh, some more apparel available, even though it's been after the deadline, right? Yes. So we basically banked on people to not get their orders in. So we ordered extra gear. And I'm glad you said that, Ryland, because, hey, that reminds me that by the end of the week, I will have our store updated with all the extra gear. We got extra shirts, long sleeve shirts. I can't remember if we got some hoodies. We may have gotten a couple hoodies, but I know we have shirts and long sleeve shirts that are all with the new logo. So you can get those for both men and women's sizes and some kid sizes as well. Awesome. Um, what else is going on? I mean, I would assume, well, I guess for tax purposes, people still got a couple of days left to throw some money down, right? 
you know, throw some money down and know that it's not being thrown away, but instead it is going to a great cause, a cause that is obviously near and dear to both of our hearts. But more importantly, you get the tax credit because you've got approximately four days, three days, technically, till the end of Saturday to get your 2022 tax credit by donating. So you can go to our website, AveryStrongDIPG.org. You can donate there. You can go to our Venmo, AveryStrongDIPG. You can go to any of our social media accounts. Uh, There's still the, the fundraiser on Instagram and on Facebook, but all of that is tax deductible. If you get it in by the end of the year, you can get it in after the year. You just got to wait till the end of 2023 to get the tax credit when you do your 2023 taxes in the spring of 2024. Boy, you you sound like an auctioneer. Hey, no, 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 no. <laughs> do you, you ever see that... Uh... You ever see that video of a guy pumping gas and he's and he keeps looking over at the at the money as it's counting up and it's like no 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 twenty four now yeah anyway AveryStrongDIPG.org AveryStrongDIPG on all social medias go over there check everything out get some gear get some gear there hey hey grab a mask you never know might be uh, <laughs> might be might be might be needing those again I feel like I feel like we have joked about that and it's actually happened multiple times so. Um, yeah, so yeah, go ahead. Um, Brandon, we got a couple of things to talk about here. Um, obviously signing day was last week. Um, I'm sure your head was just going in circles for a few days. Um, one of the things I want to talk about, and it's something that's very interesting. And I, I think there's, um, I think there's some things that kind of all come together as one, if you will. Um, there was, you and I've talked about a coaching carousel over the years, one guy takes a job as a head coach. Next, you know, somebody slides in and takes that job, but they came from this school and that school. And, you know, maybe a, an FCS head coach takes a job as a DC. And before you know it, somebody else takes over there and da, 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 And it's just crazy. Yes. Well, now it seems like that's happening in college football over the three-day signing period uh, that happened here just last week. And so it was one of those things that was interesting where uh, one guy flips and you go, whoa. Hey, you know, wasn't really expecting that one to happen. And then all of a sudden somebody flips to take the spot that he left. And then somebody flips to take that guy's spot. Next, you know, here's a team, you know, maybe without a quarterback, this class. Uh, I mean, have you ever seen it like this uh, in the, I mean, I guess this has really only been happening. I mean, I guess it happened, but it's only happened maybe to this magnitude since this three day signing period popped up. Yeah, it's been, it it was the the domino effect was was crazy this year. And it's funny because. This is an era where people think that nobody's going into the high school recruiting ranks anymore and everybody's going to the portal. And yet you see some coaching carousel, then you see the decommitment carousel happen. And it still shows you that high school recruiting is still king. And the coaching carousel can cause everything to go out of whack. And the domino effect is alive and well. Yeah, it's it was, it was pretty wild. I mean, there was uh, eight of the top 21 from the state of Washington, as far as high schools goes, either flipped or their commitment changed in the final seven to 10 days, let's say. Um, There was all kinds of just craziness. But one of the things that I think was very interesting, the NIL money is obviously, you you never really hear numbers. You don't hear exact numbers. And and anything you do hear a lot of the time, it's, it's, you know, I kind of laugh at some of it. And it's like, yeah, right. Um, But, and, and honestly, I think the NCAA needs to, figure something out in terms of a NIL cap. I don't know what it is. It, it'll be very hard to get it past any government stuff that has been put out there. But that being said, was there anything in terms of, you know, I saw some guys taking um, official visits, even though they're committed, guys that had been reported to be getting some NIL money. And then I see them taking official visits other places, and it starts to make me wonder, are they using that as leverage to try to get more NIL money? Are they actually thinking about flipping? Are they? De- Did you see any of that going on? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and it's essentially it's a leverage play. And you know, hey, I don't hate. I don't, you know, get yours, get your value while you can do it. Uh, and that's why in this day and age, you know, NIL has factored so heavily into recruiting that the slam dunk recruitments of yesteryear, the the days where a recruitment looked like it was done. You know, we used to always joke that, like, when a coach sees a kid committed to another school, he then knows just how hard he has to recruit him. When he's open, he thinks he's got four other schools he's competing against. When he's committed, now he knows he's just got to flip him from that school. There might be other schools involved, but in the day and age of NIL, a commitment doesn't mean nothing. 
because another school could come in with a more attractive NIL opportunity and now the kid's going there. Now, not everybody's going where the NIL might be the greatest. I know that's the popular opinion. Here's the thing, Ryland. There was, what, 2,500 kids that signed last Wednesday. Not all 2,500 kids got NIL deals. Whatever your favorite school is, whoever it may be, not speaking to you, Ryland, but to the general audience, <laughs> yeah. your school did an NIL deal of some sort. I know you don't want to believe it unless you are a fan of maybe like UMass or a Mac school that's poor and broke. But chances are good there's a player at your school that came to your school because of an NIL deal. And yes, I'm sure your rival signed players because of NIL deals. But you didn't lose all the players because of NIL. Some just didn't like your program. Some just didn't like you. Some just didn't like your school. Some just didn't like your town. Some didn't like your coaching staff. Not every kid got this NIL deal that everybody's trying to make it. And you're not, your school didn't sign everybody in, what's the word I'm looking for? The right way. Let's just put it that way. Yes. Yes. And now, I mean, I've also seen, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it Travis Hunter that mentioned like, oh, schools were reaching out to me before oh, yeah. Florida State, re reaching out to me before I even hit the portal. And it's like, huh, yeah, that shouldn't surprise anybody. No. And that's the thing. Like this, people are shocked and they're perplexed at hearing this. Like, dude, it's the same reason that when a kid is committed to a school, you know, those same people, the same parties are still working behind the scenes. Like it's happening. It may not be Travis Hunter talking to Florida State. It might be Travis Hunter's people talking to people at the other school. But nobody said the collectives can't talk to these guys. And that's where the line is getting blurred and that people are saying, oh, there's tampering. Well, not really, because the collective is just reaching out from the marketing opportunity standpoint, you know, and, and yes, is there tampering going on? Hell yes, there is. I've heard of coaches that are following kids, basically a kids at a smaller school, a Mac school, a Mountain West school, a big sky school. All of a sudden he starts getting followed by seven guys at a power five school, they're not just really interested in seeing, you know, what he ate for dinner at Thanksgiving. They're trying to say, Hey man, we're interested in you. We like you. So if you go into the portal, we're going to take you. It's kind of a subtle tampering, but there is tampering going on. I'm not going to argue that or ignore that at all. That would be foolish to think that that said, there's also a lot of blurred lines because the NCAA and their ever present brilliance does not know how to manage things. And, let the genie get out of the bottle, the toothpaste get out of the tube, and the hen get into the hen house. And then they wonder, oh, my gosh, how are we going to ever stop this? Well, you aren't going to stop it because you didn't put up the parameters in place to stop it. And that's why we're at where we're at. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the big issues is that instead of allowing it to kind of grow slowly, they just said, ah, free for all. Everybody do whatever the hell you want to do. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, there is a lot of stuff going on. The thing that's going to be really interesting, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and, and I want to go back, and I'll probably do it at some point. I'm going to go back, and I, I want to look at, say, I don't know if I'll look at the entire draft, NFL draft, or if I'll look at, say, maybe the top three rounds. But I want to go back, and I want to look, and I want to compare numbers from, say, the last 10 years and get, like, an average and put it up against, say, the next, like, four or five. Because you have a lot of these guys that are at these, you know, uh, group of five schools that are transferring to power five schools for like one year and then go to the NFL. Yep. Well, it's the new Juco. Yes. And that's, and that's, and that's what's so weird about it is that, you know, it's the, the Juco now is really almost what it's going to end up like a, a Juco is really going to only be about grades now. 100%. I mean, that that's really what it's going to become because these guys, instead of having to drop down and, and you know, go play a year at San Francisco City or wherever, they're going to have to go, or excuse me, they they can go into the portal and then just jump somewhere right away, yes. you know? And it, yeah. and that's what's going to be really interesting to watch is is the long-term, I don't even want to say long-term effects because, honestly, who gives a crap if a kid, you know, where they're drafted from? But right. these... These schools that, um, you know, like, a, let's just say like a, a Ben Roethlisberger, would he have stayed at Miami of Ohio, you know, Probably or would not. he have gone somewhere else at some point and, and not been the greatest player to come out of Miami of Ohio or, you know, some of these guys, uh, Devonte Adams, yes. would, would he have stuck around at Fresno state? I mean, well, 
and, and, and here's the other thing, because I think that bring, brings us to another point, since a lot of our listeners are high school kids that may be wondering what their recruitment's going to be. You cannot go into that big sky school thinking that you're going to automatically become Freddie Roberson or Xavier Guillory yes. or Trey Wee. You know, there's, I mean, how many Juco players from the state of Washington this year signed? Elijah O'Neill is the only one off the top of my head that is, that sign that was a Juco kid out of the state of Washington with a Power 5 school. And, you know, Freddie Roberson went into the portal. Xavier Guillory went into the portal. And both are going to end up at major programs. Trey Weed's got uh, FBS offers now. Yeah. But, like, you can't go into the mindset, I'm going to go to the Big Sky School. I remember talking to a kid, gosh, probably six months ago during the summer. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go to Central. Then I'm going to go there for a couple of years. And I'm going to go to the portal. And I'll transfer up. And it's like, oh, honey, no. Like, the guys that are D2 that are transferring up are the freak of nature, like the kid that Washington signed, who happened to be at the school that Kalen DeBoer played at and coached yep. and had a connection there and also went through a major growth spurt. Like, it's not that easy to make that D2 to FCS jump, let alone that D2 to FBS jump. So you can't go into this mindset, of, I'm going to go there for two years, then go into the portal, unless you put up the production that a Freddie Roberson does that a Xavier Guillory does, that a Trey Weed does. You know, I, I'm sure Isaiah Ponce, if he wanted to go into the portal, could probably end up with a number of opportunities at the next level. A, a guy like, um, oh, goodness, I'm blanking. Who, our, our Montana State kickers and punters. Oh, uh, yeah, Leighton and Klesner. Uh, Bryce yeah. Leighton. You know, those guys are such good kickers. And as we see in college kicking, those guys always are going to have an opportunity. But we just mentioned three guys. Yeah. Three well, guys. Rush, Rush Reimer. There, there's a perfect example. Rush Reimer was very, very raw coming out of Camas. Well, that guy was just a freshman All American at, at Montana State. Yeah, a napick. Uh, yeah, a, a guy that guy. was was kind of skinny, needed to put on weight, needed to show that he could play at the next level, and and he did. Like that's the thing that's going to be really fascinating out of all of this is how many of these guys are going to potentially try to use that. You know, and I think that's a terrible idea. I think you go into it actually. And you know what, Brandon, now that I think about it, Freddie Roberson's a great example because remember he was a basketball player in high school, he was. you know? And so Eastern took a real chance on him and they got exactly what they thought that they were going to get. They got a he guy that's almost a freaking a in that class. If you look at it yeah. from they, cause they signed, they Darian signed uh, Sampson, Darian Sampson and Anthony still Anthony and, still. Yeah. And Freddie and Darian at that point was coming off a great senior year. Anthony had some early power five offers. Freddie was kind of the new kid on the block and that team made it to the state championship game. But, and Anthony and Darian have both been contributors on a team that played for a national championship in their time there. But just to say like Freddie was, uh, was your classic late bloomer because he never made the full focus to football. You know, Xavier Guillory was originally going to air force and yep. went to the press school. You and I have talked about the press school route with Air Force a lot. And, I mean, imagine if Xavier Guillory sticks with Air Force, we're not having this conversation because he's a wide receiver at a school that runs the ball. Yep. But instead, he makes a business decision, goes to Idaho State, and ultimately had offers from all over. Now he's following you know, his dream of playing in the Pac-12. And interestingly enough, I mean, I thought all signs were pointing to Washington State. Being that, you know, they've done well in Spokane in recent years with Sam Lockett and um, Armani Marsh. But Charlie Regal only had him for one year, was going down to, to Arizona State. Vince Amy going down to Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham, an offensive-minded head coach. And basically on his visit, he said that, look, we need you to be wide receiver one when you get here. Yeah. And you look at what the Oregon offense did this year with Kenny Dillingham at the helm, and you see what the potential of a passing game like that is, and you've got one shot like Xavier Guillory does. He goes to Arizona State, and I can guarantee you that that guy is going to be one of the most productive receivers in the Pac-12 next year because of the need for those transfers, those fifth-year guys. And now Xavier Guillory goes from being, hey, he's a really good big sky receiver to now, hey, he's a really good Pac-12 receiver, and that changes everything come next April. Yeah, and – you know, it's it's pretty fascinating to see to see the way it, you know, and, and and it's it's funny too because as you and I sit here and talk about this, right? We talk about Freddie Roberson and, and Xavier Guillory and Trey Weed, uh, Josh Jerome. Uh, he mm -hmm. he made the jump from Eastern to uh, Hawaii. Um, you know, we talk about that, and and there's a lot of people out there 
that are going to go, see, this is exactly what I talk about. It's killing high school recruiting. And it's like, nah, no, it's not. Because you know what? Uh, those guys leaving opens up spots. Yeah. Eastern Washington needs to sign somebody. Still. Yeah. Eastern Washington signed 19 guys. And guess what? I would assume they're probably going to sign quite a few more. Uh, who was it? Was it Idaho? Or somebody signed like, maybe Idaho State. Somebody signed like 35 dudes. Um. Was it Idaho? Definitely not Idaho State. It, it was probably Idaho, and because they were super active in recruiting. Yes, and and that's the thing. Like you and I have talked about this, Ryland, where the whole the portal is killing recruiting. No, it's not. What it's doing is recalibrating. In that, in the old days, Oregon State would go find a kid like I don't know Washington State would go find a kid like Andre Dillard who might have been 240 in high school. Yeah, he was. I think he graduated at 240. So he, he's a he's the 25th guy in their class. And instead, they develop him after a few years. Now those schools aren't waiting to develop a guy. They're going to the portal to find an immediate need guy. So that means the Mountain West and the Big Sky schools are signing players that are better than what they're used to signing because those developmental guys that normally were going to the Power 5 schools, they're now dropping down to the group of five schools and the FCS schools. And so those kids are still signing. You know, the, the Division three schools, the Division two schools are still signing guys. The FCS schools are still signing guys. But I think what it's doing is it's recalibrating expectations because now everybody is not Division one. The thing is, everybody wasn't always already wasn't Division one. But now it's becoming more realistic that the late bloomer types, the Freddie Robersons of the world, you know, end up in an Eastern. But even now, now a Freddie Roberson might end up at a Central instead of an Eastern. Yeah. And, you know, uh, by the way, it was. Uh, oh, wait, hold on one second. I want to thank Scott Eklund for his time. What's that? Scott Eklund, dogman.com. We'll thank him for his time. It is a little over halfway through, so uh, yeah, he's gone. Um, but it was Idaho signed 39 guys. Woo! 39 guys. Now, Brandon, one thing that I noticed, and I, and I want to look at uh, I want to look at Eastern really quickly as well. Eastern signed 19. Uh, Idaho signed 39. But the thing that is interesting to me, and yes, Eastern did not do it either. And now, I don't know if there are some that are, but they used to put a little star next to anybody that was a preferred walk-on. Mm-hmm. There's no stars next to anybody. So, funny you bring that up. So now what's happening is schools are announcing the walk-ons as if they're signings. The interesting thing is, it's not legally binding yes. like the NLI used to be. Not NIL, the National Letter of Intent. It's not binding for a walk-on. So you might see a kid sign with a school and not end up going there because a better offer came in or a better opportunity came in or fi better financial aid packages came in as a regular student. But now that line's getting blurred a lot. So there's guys that signed with Idaho from this state that were actually walk-ons and preferred walk-ons. But the school's announcing them as if they're, as they're assigning so, you know, the schools are adept. They don't want to, you know, it's just, it's very much a slippery slope, but it all comes down to marketing too. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that's, that's really interesting to me about it is when, so the one that I always remember is Griffin Corican was an offensive lineman at O'Day. He signed, quote unquote, signed with Oregon State. It was as a preferred walk-on. And about a week later, well, excuse me. He was announced by Oregon State. I think the tweet is still there. About a week later, all of a sudden, Michigan announces it also. And I was like, what the? How the heck did that happen? Like, like, am I missing something here? And that's when I started to find out more about how, or that's when I started to notice that, that PWOs were getting announced as signings. Yeah. Now. And you will have schools tell you, hey, um, he signed with us. We sent him, you know, the package. We, he signed ceremonially. Like, is he coming in as a, as a scholarship guy? Well, no, he's a walk-on. Okay, then he's going to be marked in your database as a walk-on. Like, yes. you know, that's the thing. Like, but even the schools are up to it. Where the schools used to make it very clear this is a walk-on, 
Now the schools are asking for the points. They want the recruiting points. The same colleges that say that stars don't matter are now hitting you up saying, hey, please add him to our recruitment list. We're putting it in our press release. He's signing with us. Oh, but you said stars don't matter, so why does it matter? So all you people that think college coaches don't care about stars, then explain to me some of these text messages I get from sports information directors and coaches. <laughs> well, and so that – Remind or that, so that brings me back to and I'm looking at 20 2021. I'm looking at last year's from Eastern Washington, and they didn't put on there anybody that, um, anybody that was a, a PWO. It used to be they would put a little star there and yeah. they would even put out there, hey, this is what it is. So it's kind of become one of those things that's very interesting because now these colleges are, are not, you know, they're hiding it. They yeah. don't want people to know who it is that is, you know, a walk on and not because they know that some guys could get stolen. Hundred percent. You know, and and I get it. I totally understand it. And and this is the thing that is very interesting in all of this because, you know, the, is there some behind the scenes stuff going on? Absolutely. I've had multiple Division One coaches reach out to me and say, "Hey, we might have a spot at this position. Do you know anybody that might?" jump into the portal. And I tell them all the same thing myself is, Hey, I don't follow college kids close enough. Like I, I just, once they leave the state of Washington or excuse me, once they leave high school from Washington, I, I don't, I don't really like, I still follow them, but I don't talk to them. You know, right. like that's just not my thing. Um, you know, I just, Hey, I got enough going on here to, with the high school kids to try to, you know, figure that out as well. Um, it is interesting of the, uh, 39 and actually it would be 40 because X-Ray Alexander is not on here. 13 from the state of Washington for the university of Idaho that ties the state of Washington with the state of Idaho with, I mean, the Idaho Vandals signed as many guys from our state as they did from their own. And it's no coincidence that Idaho had one of their best seasons in 30, 20, 30 years a renewed effort and you look at some of the players that they got and you look at some of the schools they beat for some of those guys and look at some of the offers that those schools, you know, th those players had Idaho, uh, you know, we've talked about the big sky on this show for a couple of years, Ryan. And we always talk about how Montana state did a good job in the state of Washington, how, you know, Portland state would come in, how Eastern had done well, but Eastern you're on the clock now. Idaho is going to recruit the state of Washington and a state that Eastern had really dominated for years. Now Idaho's kind of kicking the tires there and starting to make their presence known. Are we going to see a little bit more of a Palouse rivalry between Eastern and Idaho? Well, I'll tell you what, I, if I'm just being perfectly honest here, it almost seems like Eastern's okay with that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It, it almost does because... You know, I remember when Aaron Best first took over um, as head coach, I remember they hit every damn school in the state. I mean, they had coaches at every school in the state. They were going out and they were really hitting it hard. I'm hearing from college coach or excuse me, high school coaches now that are saying, hey, we haven't seen Eastern now in a couple of years. Yeah. Eastern's not really over here as much. And then uh, I had one coach that came to me and said, hey, you know, Eastern, Eastern came through and uh, they didn't even know about a couple of our guys. Jeez. And I'm like, wow. Like, I mean, I can tell you this much. That didn't ever happen before. Eastern knew everybody. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a change in philosophy. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on. That being said, they still signed some guys from the state of Washington. Um, and, and they did a good job. I mean, I, I, I like some of the guys that they signed. I mean, I, you and I talked about Jonathan Landry a lot. That is an absolute steal for them. Yep. Um, you know, there's some guys that they signed. I think Tylen Jackson has a ton of potential. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, he, who was the kid from Eastern a couple of years ago who got drafted by the Rams, the same draft as Cooper cup, the, Samson, the um, Ibukam or Ibukam? Yeah. I mean that I'm not saying that Tylen Jackson is going to become him, but there's a lot of, you know, speaking of Freddie Roberson, who was a basketball yeah. guy, Tylen Jackson, who's got two cousins playing in the NBA was a basketball guy. He's yeah. raw as heck, but my goodness, you cannot just find a player with those kind of raw physical tools like he has, and it wouldn't be a surprise if he ends up being in the discussion in a few years from now as a potential candidate because he's going to have all those eye-popping measurables. 
if if you and I were walking down the street right now and, and, and Tylen Jackson came walking towards us and you didn't know who he was, and I said to you, Brandon, is this guy a defensive end or is he a small forward? He would probably you would probably say small forward. Yep. I mean the length, the size, just he looks like a small forward. You think about adding twenty five, thirty pounds of muscle to that guy? Oh, I, yeah, mean, I mean, it, it is, it's scary. And, and yeah. I mean, we start talking about, I mean, X re Alexander mm-hmm. ends up at Idaho. How in the hell does that happen? Yep. I mean, that is so good on the Idaho coaching staff. And maybe, you know, better than me, I would assume Thomas Ford was kind of running the point on that one. He was, yes. Cause I know that I, I, my understanding is he's kind of a little bit more of like, say, Seattle South and then Seattle North. They have another coach kind of doing a lot of that stuff. But that is so good on those guys. I had multiple schools in the Mountain West and in the Big Sky that reached out to me over the last two, three months and said, hey, is there anybody sneaking through some cracks or anybody that maybe you think won't be going somewhere, you know, that they're committed to or potentially going to commit to. And the two names I kept giving people is I said, hey, keep an eye on Isaiah Carlson because I just don't know about him. And then keep an eye on x Alexander because I think it's very possible that he doesn't end up at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. And I think every single one of those coaches, when he announced his signing or when Idaho did, I think every single one of those coaches went, son of a bitch. Yep. Son of a bitch. We should have been all over that. And that's, I look at it sometimes and I'm like, man, you know, I, I think a lot of people could have seen Arizona State losing quite a few commitments. Yeah. Because of just what was going on down there. I mean, there was some interesting things going on, you know, potentially some sanctions, whatever, you know, potential going on there. And uh, the fact that X Re Alexander, uh, who, by the way, was the Cascadia Preps 4A Defensive Player of the Year, um, yeah, I mean his his play. You know, uh, big time players make big time plays, big time games. Blah blah blah. Yep. That guy got better in the playoffs. Yes. And he was already damn good in the regular season. He got better in the playoffs, and as the playoffs went along, he got better. As the games became bigger, he got better. Yes. And to me, that's a guy that has an absolute massive future ahead of him. It would not surprise me, and I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we're sitting here in a couple of years talking about him transferring somewhere. Well, it just wouldn't. I mean, you look at again. It goes back to Freddie Roberson, Xavier Guillory, and Trey Wee, and, yep. and especially Freddie Roberson and Xavier Guillory, who are two of the most prominent FCS recruits. In the 2022-2023 cycle nationally, two guys from Washington that were top 15 players in the state that were absolute steals for the schools that got them. And it took them a little bit of a circuitous route to get there. But the second tier in Washington has gotten so much better over the last seven to ten years that it's no surprise that maybe they're, you know, they walk so that the guys in the 10 to 20 range now can run. Those 10 to 20 range guys in what I mean, to give it to perspective here, Ryland, in the state of Washington in 2023's class, this is outside the top 10. I'm going to go with the 24-7 rankings, not the composite rankings because we do the best job. From 11 <laughs> to 20, you have Pac-12, 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 Big 10, Pac-12, Pac-12, Big Sky with X3, Pac-12, 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 21 through 25. Mountain West, Mountain West, Mountain West, Big Sky, Big Sky, all right? You go into the 30 to 40 range, and you have Big Sky, unsigned, Big Sky, Big Sky, Mountain West, Big Sky, Big Sky, Mountain West, Big Sky, Big Sky. We have, in the state of Washington, in the top 50, thanks to Cade Clyde just announcing his commitment to Weber State. I did see and, that. And let's just, you know, let's just go down to 52, McLean Watkins. Yeah, wow. You know, another steal. Kennedy Catholic, another steal there. There are only, by my count, 9, 10, 11, 11 of the top 52 players in the state of Washington have not signed or committed somewhere yet. 
with the, and those are with FBS schools. And that doesn't even take into account, you know, guys after McLean Watkins, Max Mollo going to Brown, Dane Parker going to Air Force, Wyatt Gordon going to Idaho, Gabe Downing going to Portland State, Lucas Freitas flipping his commitment to Montana. Thanks for doing that in the stealth of the night. And you know, at least Radlin was paying attention, Lucas. <laughs> Tristan Lewis to the big sky. Bam off lava the big sky. I mean, you're going to end up having roughly 60 guys, 65 guys in the state that are going FCS or better. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking down this list and there's still some guys on here where I'm like, man, he's, this guy's pretty good. You know, this guy here, uh, had some, had some D one offers. Um, you, you know, it's, it's pretty wild to look down this list and actually see how, you know, this, this class, it, it was, it was an interesting class as well, because like, you know, Jaden Wayne was originally the number one guy. And, uh, you know, when he moved out, uh, down to IMG, Caleb Presley became number one, correct? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Caleb Presley is, you know, he's a four-star guy, Josiah Wagner's four-star, uh, Jaden Lamar, Micah Banuelos, Jabari Johnson, four stars. But it, it didn't really seem like a, your normal recruiting class out of the state of Washington, where there was a couple of like just massively huge names at the top. But the overall depth of it actually turned out to be really, really nice. I yeah. mean, it was, it's one of those ones that when you looked at 2020 and 2021, um, you know, those classes were just unbelievable. I mean, there was just so much talent. And, and, and then, you know, 2022 comes along and, and you, you know, kind of has a nice, you know, ending to it. And then you're looking at some of these ones here, though, and you're going, wow, you know, like 2023 – I, I wasn't completely sold on it, you know, but it kind of kept getting better and kept getting better. Now I'm looking at it, man, and, and it is really, really nice. Now, you know, Caleb Presley flips his commitment last minute. Jade Lamar flips his commitment last minute. Um, Dorian Thomas flips his commitment last minute. I mean, these are guys that we we expected to be signing with other schools, and then, boom, they signed there. Um, I mean, Tucker Ashcraft yeah. and Leo Pulalasi. Yep. They flipped within the last week. You know, Tucker's obviously was a little bit different route than Leo, but I mean, Ryland, who here's the funny part. And I was thinking about this when I was flying home yesterday that in 2021, we had the JT recruitment go all the way to the 4th of July. In 2022, we had Josh Connerly wait until April yeah. to announce. In 2023, we have nobody waiting long, but that's five guys that flipped. Within the top 14, five guys that flipped in the last week to five days before signing day just from the state of Washington. And they say Washington's not up there with the Southeast schools. <laughs> well, and, and when you look at it, too, you got to go all the way down to the 25th player before you find a guy that's unsigned. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of guys underneath him that are signed. Uh, you know, Scott Trey Humphrey signs with with Montana State. If you don't see Isaiah Ifonse in Scott Trey Humphrey, you're friggin' nuts uh -huh. because he is very much. I mean, they went and they said, "Hey, that Humphrey kid looks exactly like the guy that broke our school records." Yep, let's get him. Uh, Jalen Jenkins to Eastern Washington. Julian Lee, who you know, there was a late push at one point that you know there were some thoughts that maybe he was going to UCLA. Yep, Idaho. Wow. I mean, are you kidding me? Connor Noah uh, sticks with the Nevada commitment. Uh, yeah. Zion Jay Jones. Menting. I mean, Jay Menting had a fantastic season. Yeah. And he's going to Pitt, uh, to Princeton. And, like, he committed to Princeton almost two years ago. And he's going to be one of those rare football, baseball players in the Ivy League, all while maintaining, you know, Princeton-level grades. And that's another one of those kind of those sneaky, good pickups that people may not look all that closely to because he's going to Princeton. But, dude, A, to know you're getting you're good enough academically to get into Princeton after your sophomore year in high school, and, B, to go play two sports, I mean, there it's no surprise. And, again, I'm going to indict myself a little bit here, although I do play Jake Worthen, so if you're listening, Jake, this is your fault. But the reigning NFL Offensive Player of the Year was an FCS signee from the state of Washington. Yeah. The Super Bowl I mean, MVP, same guy. FCS yeah. signee from the state of Washington. So, well, you, you could have made a case that he should have been the MVP. 100%. 100%.
But in a state that maybe doesn't have the depth of, well, it's not maybe, in a state that doesn't have the depth of Florida and Georgia and California and Texas and even some of the other states like Georgia, the big sky schools know that the state of Washington produces talent. And it's evident in just how many good players signed with FCS schools despite having an FBS offer or two in addition. Well, and I think one thing that is kind of maybe overlooked at times as well when you consider the actual population of the state of washington compared to say a florida florida's like three times the size yep you know uh california has what like 40 million people texas has like 30 million uh i think florida's like 21 or 22 million um you know when you look at those three and you look at the state of washington which is i believe somewhere around like five or six i mean you're talking about like when you actually look at the uh, per capita type thing, it's very similar. I Absolutely. mean, it's it's not like it, it's not as how do I say this? It's not like as grim as some people make it out to be. Like, oh, oh, the you know the state of Washington's overlooked. It's like, yeah, it is to an extent. But I'm looking at this at this list here, Brandon. I'm on twenty four seven sports dot com backslash season backslash twenty twenty three football. And I'm looking at these recruit rankings, and I see Washington, sure. But I see two guys going to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I see two guys going to USC. I see an Oregon. I see a Missouri, which I can't think of a guy from the state of Washington that went to Missouri. I mean, oh. I, I know my uh, a, a guy that I went to high school with, Josh Skernick, he went there to, to wrestle. <laughs> I mean, but uh, Tucker Ashcraft, I mean, the only I can only remember Walker Williams. That's the only one I can remember going to Wisconsin. And think about this, Ryan. This is a year after the state of Washington sent a player to Notre Dame, yep. to Texas, to Texas A&M, to Penn State, and to Florida. Those are not states that did not – in fact, Texas A&M had two players from the state of Washington in the generational class that Texas A&M signed, and one of them ended up starting games as a true freshman. So – you know, it, it kind of started in that 2020 cycle when you had, you know, the West Coast or, or the state of Washington had, had guys go to big programs before. Obviously, Jacob Eason going to Georgia, um, all the guys that went to the Pac-12 school. But then you had the 2020 year where Ohio State comes in and they sign uh, G. Scott. And then the next year, JT and Emeka both go there. And it was kind of in that 2020 era where you started to see, man, the big, 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 bo- big boys are now coming into Washington. And last year's class might not have been what that 2021 class is at the top end talent. But when you have Penn State, Florida, Texas A&M, and Texas, and then the next year, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, oh, and Notre Dame last year as well, when they have those fertile recruiting grounds that they can draw from and they're coming into Washington, that says a lot about the state. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to just kind of touch on a couple of guys that are still unsigned um, I don't know that we'll get, you know, normally we would do five names here at the end. I don't know. We'll do five, but a couple of guys, I just, I just kind of want to get your, Hey, what's going on? What do we know about these guys? Uh, the first one we'll talk about here. Um, let's see, let's go with, uh, how about big Gabe Hoffman, tight end six, six, two forty five, three star, um, out of Eastside Catholic. Um, I see UNLV, I see Northern Arizona, Montana, what do you know about uh, Gabe Hoffman and what's left uh, as far as his recruitment goes? So he just recently took an official visit, I want to say, to Montana uh, in December. But he's going to take a couple more visits here in the month of January. And that will probably be, you know, he, he's a, a big tight end, a good-sized kid that's coming off a good senior season. He could be a guy that ends up, you know, just timing it right and end up with a couple more bigger opportunities after schools kind of figure out where they're standing with guys in the portal. And he might be kind of one of those late adds to a power five. I think he could play at the power five level, uh, but I also think, you know, he's going to have to maybe just be patient to see what materializes. But right now, Montana in a good spot for him as well as some of the uh, uh, Ivy league offers that he has. And I think he has all three of the service academies. I think so. I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah. Um, that's a guy that's, it's interesting because there's a lot of people that look at it and go, man, we would love to pick him up as an offensive tackle. And there's, then there's people that watched his film from his senior year and said, Hey, you know what? 
we'll give him a shot at tight end. Absolutely, we will because he did have a really, really nice senior year. I mean, he was a he was a, a main target for uh, for Brady Mackle here there. Um, let's stick in the Metro League and we'll talk about Garfield senior um, Michael Montgomery, six three two thirty uh, three star. You know, he had some he had some early offers uh, from some schools. Uh, what's he down to now? And you know, what what is what are you thinking uh, as far as he goes? Yeah, keep an eye on Georgia Tech here. You know, he had moved down very briefly to Atlanta during the spring, and that's where I think kind of you know affected his recruitment in that he wasn't at Garfield in the spring when schools were getting on the road and getting out to see him. He was down in Atlanta. Then he moved back in time for the season, suffered an injury that kind of hurt him uh, from down the stretch. Well, obviously it hurt him because it was an injury, uh, but it hurt his recruitment. Uh, but keep an eye on Georgia Tech. They still want him. They want him to come back down for another unofficial visit or for an official visit. He took an official visit to uh, Georgia Tech during the summer. And there's a kind of a new rule. It's about two or three years old. But if you visited a school and they end up getting a new head coach, you're permitted one extra visit. So he could go theoretically go back down to Georgia Tech take an official visit. Jeff Collins was who was recruiting him at the time. Now it's Brent Key as the head coach. Uh, but, so keep an eye on the Yellow Jackets for Michael Montgomery. And again, another one of those schools that doesn't really recruit the Northwest all that tough, maybe landing a player from Seattle. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I, uh, the first time I saw somebody where I, I realized that he was taking a second official visit was last year with, uh, or, yeah, last year with Javensky Schlenbaker. Yes. Um, which was weird because they didn't, you know, uh, Jake Dickert was basically just taken over. You know what I mean? It's not like they actually had a a real change of staff or anything like that. But I remember he took a second one, and I went, wait a minute. I said, what in the world? And then that's when I found out about that rule. Kind of caught me off guard. Um, let's see here. Let's, what about uh, what about Ishan Daniels over at Bellevue? Uh, 5'11", 150 pounds, a young man that uh, I think he also got better and better and better as the season went along. Yeah, you know, he's got a couple of opportunities in the Pac-12 or early on. He's got some Mountain West and uh, Big Sky opportunities. I think he's going to, you know, from all reports, he's going to take some official visits in the month of January, and he will probably be deciding. I know this is crazy to think, but, you know, there once was a time where guys didn't decide until February of their senior year. Now everybody decides early. Is Sean, though, will take some official visits in January, and then we'll make a decision in the early part of February. Kind of a uh, no super hurry on his part. Let's just kind of see what happens. And, you know, that's a kid that could end up with, uh, you know, is there maybe some transfer things, some different things. As stuff shakes out, uh, he might be able to look at something to snag something along the way. Uh, you mentioned Cade Clyde uh, committing to uh, Weber State here. Cade is a 6'3", 250-pounder out of Connell. Um, that's a, I think that's a tremendous grab there for Weber State, who has done a really good job over the years, but you know, uh, this year did not pick up anybody. I don't think that I saw uh, from the state of Washington, so grabbing Cade Clyde there is a good one. Uh, Brandon, anybody else you want to throw in here before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think we've pretty much touched everybody that is kind of, you know, in that position where they're they're still going to make a decision in the month of January. Um, you know, Kyle Chan would be one. Joe Kralik, who was originally committed uh, to Army, uh, opened things up a little bit. Um, Elijah Brady, just some other names to keep an eye on. Keenan Kuntz, um, Roman Hutchison, Amir Robinson, Jake Mason. Uh, those are all some guys that had Power Five off, or I'm sorry, FBS offers or FCS offers that have yet to make a decision. So still, you know, you're going to see a recalibration of sorts from colleges with the transfer portal probably heating up even more over the next week and a half as the Power Five schools start wrapping up their bowl games. And once those are done, then I think schools will know, okay, this is what we what our needs are going to be down the stretch and maybe there's a few schools that add some late offers and some of these Washington kids could be in position to grab them. I guess we should also mention um, Mason Hayes, a guy that you and I are both big fans of picking up a Valparaiso offer. Um, That's a school that has, oh, I wish I had it right in front of me right now. Um, I think they have like five or six guys from the state of Washington on that Valparaiso uh, roster. Um, There's a couple of guys out of – or at least one of them I know from that was down, down at Skyview. And then uh, they had Taryn Berry, the quarterback out of Redmond, um, who originally was at Weber State. Um, I think I think somebody's going to get a steal with Mason Hayes. I don't know who. I don't know where. I don't know what. But somebody's going to grab a player that 
eventually you're just going to figure out a way to utilize him. I mean, there's so many different things that he can do. It's insane. It just is. Um, all right, Brandon, you're off again next week. Where are you headed to? I am headed to San Antonio this oh. weekend for the All American Bowl. Uh, three players from the state of Washington in that game. Josiah Wagner, Caleb Presley, and Jaden Wayne. I, I still count him as one of Washington's. Then I'm home for a week. Then I'm off to the Polynesian Bowl uh, the week after. But also keep an eye on the Under Armour All-America game this week. Uh, two players from the state of Washington are in Orlando as we speak. Um, Landon Hatchett from Ferndale and Micah Banuelos from Kennedy Catholic. Both be playing in the Under Armour game, uh, which practices start at the end of this week. And then that game will be televised next Tuesday on DSPN. You can watch the All-American Bowl on Saturday January 7th on NBC with yours truly adding broadcasting duties again for the second year. Are, are you like, weren't you like on the sideline or no, you had like your own desk or something. I'm on a little booth in the end zone. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. You know what you should do? <laughs> I, I will personally pay for this. At some point, I want to see you try to order a pizza to your location. Do not tempt me because I can <laughs> always smell the food when I am down on there. And the other part is I'm drinking so much water because I'm talking so much that if you start, you know, thankfully they're not showing me dance on TV, but I start getting the pee-pee dance going, and I'm praying for, like, long timeouts so I can sprint to the bathroom. Wouldn't it be funny if I ordered, like, a DoorDash, like, a burrito to your, lo- like, hey, so I think he's in the northwest corner of the stadium. Can you just try to sneak in there and, you know, <laughs> get get a look in through a door or something and just point, hey, that, that guy right there in the suit and the shorts and the flip-flops, yeah, that guy... <laughs> I'll I'll do anything for an NIL deal. (laughs) All righty. He's Brandon Huffman from the Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation. Be sure to check out everything they got going on over there. AveryStrongDIPG.org and AveryStrongDIPG on all social medias. I'm Ryland Spencer from Cascadia Preps. What's that? Uh, Next week, me and – he doesn't know it yet, but it'll be me and Scott Eklund. And then uh, Brandon and I will be back the week after that. And then me and Scott Eklund again. And then uh, Brandon will be back after that. Or I don't know. Maybe we'll find somebody else by that point. Again, he's Brandon Huffman. I'm Ryland Spencer. You've been listening to Huffman and Spencer here on Cascadia Preps Radio, and we will talk to you next week.